0: I always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada, and I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the wide stance, taking the club back way inside,
1: releasing the club. Hello, and welcome to a brand new edition of the McKellar Golf Podcast. My name is Lawrence Donigan, and I will be joined very shortly by my co-host, Mark Camazzaro of the New York Post. And our guest, Ian Carter of the BBC. It's a jam-packed show this week. All sorts of news going on in the world of golf. But before we get there, a couple of pieces of business. First is to remind you that you can get your latest edition of the McKellar Golf Journal uh, magazine at our shop, McKellarMagazine.com. Issue 4 is packed with all sorts of uh, great stories, uh, great writing, great illustration at McKellarMagazine.com. Uh, while you're there, uh, you can get yourself a copy of uh, issues one, two, three, and 4 or treat yourself to a piece of a McKellar Swag t-shirts, hats. Actually, uh, brings me into my second piece of business. We have a new product uh, in the shop this week, the McKellar Beanie. It's a special limited edition McKellar Beanie uh, created by our good pals at Sounder Golf. Uh, I've been getting a lot of teasing recently for my ad reads at the top of the podcast, but uh, if you haven't heard it before, here we go. I'll do it again. Those of you with a very long memory might recall Sounder as the clubs at Sevy played when he first came on the scene back in the nineteen seventies. Cool name. It's been reborn as a brand for people like you and me, people who read McKellar love McKellar. And hate that let's play what the pros play mentality of the golf industry. Uh They sell stylish and hard wearing clothes that look great on the course in the office and it says here uh, for dinner out on the town, well that's not happening right now but uh, one day it will so get your sounder gear uh, for when that day comes. They've also launched a tour quality 3 piece golf ball that arrives packed loose in an 100% organic cotton bag. Less packaging, more efficient shipping and therefore better for the planet. It's all available at www.soundofgolf.com, that's www.soundofgolf.com. There's free shipping in the UK when you spend £100. Uh, they can also ship to Europe and the US with free shipping worldwide on orders over £200. Oh, and here's a bonus, uh, if you enter Michaela 15 at checkout you'll get a 15% discount on your first order. That's mckella 15 uh, at checkout, 50% discount on your first order. Anyway, that's enough of that. Enough selling, enough business. Let's get on with the show. Mark Cannizzaro, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Lawrence. How you doing today?
1: Uh, pretty good. Hey, Mark, uh, we've got a, a jam-packed show. Jam-packed podcast. Not a show, it's a podcast. Uh, so we're not going to have the witty badinage at the start of the podcast. We're going straight into it with our special guest, Ian Carter, BBC's golf correspondent. How you doing, Ian?
2: I'm very good. Uh, hello, guys. How are we doing? Ian, thanks
0: for joining us because I know you'll add a little intelligence that Lawrence and I will not be able to provide
2: I might be struggling with the badinage though.
1: Uh, well. There you go. Well, actually, when the guy from the BBC is on, Mark, I stand up and salute. You know, I feel you know. <laughs> here, no, I was being serious. So, phenomenal uh, amount of, I can't believe it. Uh, we didn't even, you know, we didn't even line up the news for the podcast. The news just happened, so so here we are. Um, I guess we should start, Mark, with the uh, with the announcement today. I'm calling it up here because it's quite complicated for a for a couple of doofuses like us that the RNA and a USGA are basically called time on golf equipment. Is that a fair way to put it Ian, Do you think?
2: Um, I, I, it, yes, I think I I think ultimately that's where we we're, we're getting to. It it is a slow process. It has to be a a slow pro- process, but you know there's a there's a couple of things happening. One, we know that basically from from the beginning of March, you're not allowed to have a driver any longer than 46 inches. Current limit is 48 inches. We know Bryson DeChambeau was experimenting with that extra length on the driver to try and get extra length off the tee. That is that is going to go basically, um, and they have signaled now their interest in coming up with a ball that doesn't go as far or golf clubs that don't propel the ball as far going forward, but they have to go through what, you know, I mean, the, the, the number of tweets I've read today saying about time to." why does it have to take so long? Well, it just does. It's really a very, very complex process that they're going through. Um, and yeah, I think, I think we can look at today and say, right, this is, this is a a, another drawing of a line in the sand and we are heading towards the ball being rained back and and not before time. I think an awful lot of people would say. Um,
1: Does this cut through for uh, for your audience, Mark, this kind of stuff, equipment stuff? Not really.
0: Uh, For our our New York post audience, maybe not for the U S audience to some degree. Yes. Um, I mean, let's, let's be honest. The game, I mean, when we look at where things are going, and it's funny because the forty-eight inch driver, which was a, which was a much the talk at Augusta in November when we were at you know the last Masters, uh, that Bryson was experimenting with, he he didn't end up using it that week, I believe. I believe he, he was no, experimenting he with it in 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 uh, in practice rounds, but it didn't do him any good. He didn't. I, I don't believe he used it in the tournament. Am I correct?
1: No, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. Yeah.
0: So, but I. I I mean, listen, the the way the game is going, as Ian said, it's a very complicated situation here because I've never been a fan of the ball being, you know, being dialed back uh, in terms of universal golf, because, you know, the the bigger, the greater uh, concern, for lack of a better word, for the game of golf is growing it, not just in tournament golf, but, you know, for knuckleheads like you and I that go out and play and, and and, and the people we play with And, and we don't, you know, we know we're not going to be hitting at 300 something yards, but we don't want to hit be hitting some dead balls and losing 30 yards of distance either as amateurs. So it's, it's a complicated issue, but it's weird. I was just thinking about this before we went on the podcast, you know, obviously some of these golf, some of the greatest golf courses on the planet, you know, it, are being rendered obsolete because of how far the ball is going and, and the 48 inch driver, if it's going to go into play and, and all of the technology advances. And I was thinking to myself, it's weird i don't know it just came to me two of the greatest things that i look at at tiger woods amongst all of his accomplishments not not the majors necessarily but i always thought his cut streak was the most amazing thing i've ever saw seen but in, in a larger picture you know his consecutive cuts made but in 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 a more in a smaller picture ian and, and Lawrence, i remember the year that he he played in one at st andrews for the first time the open championship and never hit a ball into one bunker the entire oh. week and I and I know, maybe that's a little bit golf nerdy, but I thought that was one of the most amazing accomplishments. That's certainly way before the equipment started becoming advanced, and, and guys could blow the balls over these bunkers now that were that were you know designed to to be you know uh, hazards. And you're not going to you know if if unless we do something about the length, we're not you, a golf course like St Andrews for an Open Championship. Unless they go and move these bunkers or start moving the tees <laughs> down to. You know, which, you know, into the into the the sea, you know, it's it's not going to play properly. So, it is complicated. I know I just rambled, and I apologize, but it's it, the complication to me is 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 where are you going to do this? Is it just going to be tournament golf? Are we going to dial back the ball and and the equipment for for the amateurs as well? Because I think that's a bad thing.
1: The uh, well, I say Just to show, I did a bit of research for this podcast. So, if reading the press release, there seems to be uh, they identified two areas of discussion. The first one takes care of your uh, concern, Mark, which is broadly speaking bifurcation. Um, so the, the so we it's amazing the, the wording of this this stuff. Uh, we have identified two areas of discussion: uh, the use of local rules. Essentially, that is bifurcation. That would mm-hmm. uh, that would specify equipment that would result in uh, shorter distances in specific cases. Essentially, it's just saying, "Hey, masters." Uh, there you go. Uh, if you want to get rid of the 48-inch driver that, uh, for this year, you can certainly do that because um, our consultation period and that finishes on March the 4th. And moving ahead, hey, uh, r and if you want to bring in a Open Championship ball for the Open in two, uh, 2022 uh, at St. Andrews, then have at it. Uh, you don't have to change. The ball for the general audience wouldn't change, or the equipment for the general audience wouldn't change. So that I think that takes care of that. Uh,
2: I, I'm not sure, Lawrence. To be honest, um, I I, th- I think that the use of of local rule is is um, is is to sort of take care of uh, the fact that it's not in the standard rule book that that is is there now. So it's to take away the need to completely rewrite. The rules of golf, and I would expect—I'm a bit more with with Mark. I I would expect it to to actually come in certainly across the board of the professional game. Yeah. And from what I heard from Martin Slumbers today, so you you then take that into elite amateur as yeah. well, and then where do you draw? Then where where is the line drawn? Is it out, where does it go for our monthly medals and and that sort of thing? But I I I think you know there's potential for bifurcation there, but there is potential for across the board you know the 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 dialing back
1: well two things one you don't understand the rules of this podcast you can't disagree with me on any issue okay that's one
2: (laughs) and secondly
1: if they're bringing in
2: that's a local local rule
1: (laughs) right and secondly if you're uh if it's gonna apply to elite amateurs we'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah i see i,
0: it. Speak for it yourself
1: yeah. <laughs> I see it. I, I quite i'm all for this it give me a chance to beat the wee man again uh, so <laughs> so uh, well okay you might be right I say it's it's a much more uh nebulous uh the application yeah. of it is is you know where do you draw the line isn't it i mean is it is it scratching above or it's you know it's i mean it could be anything couldn't it and it might yeah, be nothing I-
2: Absolutely. I'm just um I'm, I'm just going to look up the piece I wrote on the BBC Sport website just to give it another hit. Uh but also um just to uh, cuz I, I had a quote in there from Martin Slumbers well, who I spoke to earlier today. Can I ask um, you
1: can I ask you thought- him before you you got what what was the conversation like? Can you I mean was he was he buoyant? Was he gung-ho? Was he
2: Yeah, I mean I think that they're, I think they're really pleased to get this going again because simply because um, it, it, you know, it came out, the distance report came out last February. And that was that was the moment where the authorities said, right, this cannot go on any longer. The golf ball does have to be reined back. Otherwise, there is not a, a, a future for the sport because courses are going to have to get too big, too expensive. Great courses rendered obsolete. Yeah. You know, we've we've been through all of those arguments so many times. So that came out. And then we were supposed to reach the stage that we got to today, in March last year, and then of course the pandemic struck, and yeah. so therefore we weren't able to do that. So um, as a as a consequence, um, you know, I think he was very buoyant that we, we've now reached this point. We can take it to the next step, and there is going to be, you know, um, this this period of of discussion. So, and there were two aspects to it. There was noticed that that you're not going to have have the extra length in in the driver's shaft, yeah. but also. That they have declared their interest in reining back the golf ball, taking potentially taking spin off the ball to to, to make it not go as far, potentially doing stuff to to club head specifications and, and and all of that. Um and I'm just looking now because I've found i found the thing. Um and he said uh that means a local rule could be applied on a much broader scale than just professional golf, and it would be misleading to think it is just professional golf. Uh-oh. So um, that was a long answer to get to that that quote. But well, there well, you Well,
1: then, Mark, you, your your concerns might be well placed in, by the sounds of it. Oh, who- I think
0: that's a, I think that's a dangerous place to go. To be honest with you, I really do, uh, because I mean, we, you know, I would I'm going to use the word we. I'm not saying all of us on this call, but you know, so many amateur golfers you know i mean they're drawn to the game and are becoming more drawn to the game because the equipment makes it makes the game easier to play you know for the higher handicap and and being easier to play means being able to hit the ball a little bit longer and straighter you know with the, with the new drivers and yep. things like that. and i think that's a dangerous that's a dangerous game that golf is playing if you're going to let that bleed into you know, the regular play. But as, as Ian said, where do you draw the line? You know, are you drawing the line at amateur, at just professionals? Are you drawing it at amateurs? Are you, are you you only doing it at certain professional tournaments, only major championships? I don't, you know what I mean? There's so many ways to go here right now. I mean, they're talking about the fact that, you know, as soon as Augusta and April, you know, they may be, they may be dialing some things back, which is fascinating. But you know, if if that bleeds into the public, realm i think that's a dangerous game for golf to play
1: well the length of the length of club thing i think that's the easiest target isn't it because there's nobody nobody out there playing 48 48 inch uh drivers of 48 inch shafts so they can just do that and that there won't be a there'll only be an impact at the pro level i mean because there's no amateurs out there playing drivers that length the um a couple of things actually ian um i want to ask you um Obviously, the COVID, the timing. But our old pal Huggy was always—he uh, always made this point that the the Open Championship, the one hundred and fiftieth Open Championship at the Old Course, mm-hmm. you know, the R&A were petrified. They were thought, they were scared that somebody was going to get out and shoot fifty-eight three days in a row or whatever, and there was a real danger. I wonder if that looming on the horizon has really uh, put a rocket up the backside. I think there's it? Because look what happens at the Open. I mean, the last Open was played on four different courses, wasn't it? There was a, there was a. There <laughs> was, well, there was there was a tee yeah. on the on the Himalayas putting green. There was yes, a the second. Yeah, yeah, there was a tee on on the Eden. Uh, there was a tee on. Uh, what was the one on the Eden? Well, the tee on the road hole, the most
2: famous par 4 what isn't is on the driving range. That's on the driving range. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. and yeah, and I, I think. I'm not sure it, it was specifically the, the the potential of of you know ridiculously low scoring uh, that was that that has has driven all of this, but I think that there has been a strong feeling certainly over the last two or three years, um, and and you know it coincides with Martin Slumbers' reign. It also coincides, I think, with with Mike Davis's reign, which of course is coming to an end uh, fairly soon at the US. GA that they they really wanted to do something about it and going back to 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 my point I think we earlier about the complexity and I think Mark has really illustrated it right there you know which manufacturer is going to be prepared to produce golf balls that don't fly as far go drivers that don't hit the ball as far um you know how are they going to sell those to to people who've already (laughs) you know spent five hundred dollars or whatever it is on on you know, drivers that they they enjoy hitting. So it's a really difficult thing. And also the PGA Tour and the European Tour have been really steadfast. They don't want bifurcation and they don't want it rained back. You know, I'm convinced that Keith Pelley um, believes that it is a genuine spectacle to have players like Bryson DeChambeau coming to European Tour events and smashing the ball 350 yards. So these are, these are conversations that have to be won by the RNA and the USGA and it's
1: not going to be easy. Well, part of this, Mark, part of this, the delay in all of this, because I remember doing golf ball stories in two thousand and five in the Guardian. You know, so even fifteen years later, I mean, Jeff Shackelford set up his website and he was banging on about this stuff in two thousand and three. I mean, it goes back a long time, um, and it's only just happening now. I, I wonder. I, obviously, the the threat of lawsuits has been been kicking around Uh, because if i'm mr Tailor made or mr ping or whatever i'm not very happy about this what do you think the manufacturers will will say mark because i haven't seen have you seen anything that has anybody said anything this morning about it
0: i have not seen any manufacturers come out publicly and say anything but i mean you can imagine behind the scenes there must be incredible pushback here without question and uh um listen i i you know what 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 Ian just said, in your reference to Keith Pelly, for example, and I, I, I would, I, I would guess to say that you know that Jay Monaghan would feel the same way here with the with the US PGA Tour. I mean, in, not to be uh, at the at the risk in our politically correct world, as everybody always says in baseball and everywhere else, chicks dig the the long ball, yeah. right? So that's kind of, I mean, that's what draws people. That's why Bryson DeChambeau is the is made golf even more fascinating. Whether you're an old school or you know. Hardliner or not, you can't take your eyes off of them. You know whether you, and and that's just the way the game is going right now. And and I don't think I don't think anybody that is that is smart enough to know how to market this game. Uh, pelly and 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 Monahan being two heads of that, so to speak, um, is going to want to dial that stuff back that much. I, I just don't see that happening. And 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 in answer to you, Lawrence. I mean, these equipment manufacturers are a pretty powerful entity in the game, I, I think, behind the scenes. And I, I don't I, I don't see how that's going to work. I just don't see it. I, mean, I, I think, the, you
1: know, I, I was, uh, so I kind of went on Twitter just to find out if any manufacturers had, had reacted to this. And the only manufacturer story I got on Twitter this morning was that uh, the venture capital fund that owns TaylorMade is trying to sell the company. <laughs> so I don't know if the two things are connected. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be so interesting well for, for, for nerds but by the way Mark uh, not everybody not everybody likes a long ball I mean a lot of people you go back again it's been talked about a lot Tiger at the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne was a master class in finesse and shaping shots and lots of people found that extremely entertaining so uh, I mean I wouldn't say that, that uh, everybody loves a long ball I think
0: I, yeah Lawrence I, I'm sorry to try. I agree with you on that but I would say that and I was I was being very general there. Yeah, yeah And I think maybe the long ball element maybe more draws the, the much more casual sport fan into golf than maybe the hardcore yeah. people like ourselves. Like, I you know, I mentioned myself. I, I still remember Tiger never hitting a ball into those yeah. into a bunker. I, I don't know. What, there's 100-something bunkers around St. Andrews, the old course. And I, I still remember that moment. And I've covered, you know, I don't even know how many majors, 100-something whatever. And – So I understand what you're saying, but I do think that both of these tours, the European tour and the U.S. and the PGA tour, they're trying to draw more people in than just you, me, and Ian that are really into it already, right? Yeah. And I I do think that long ball and and that Bryson DeChambeau and the length factor, I do think, draws more people in who maybe aren't necessarily, you know, hardcore golf people. That was more the point I was making.
1: Uh, and, and well made, I guess. Um, the uh, here, Ian, uh, This is so. Ind- uh, Martin slumbers. How long has he
2: been in that job? Uh, what a revolutionary figure he's been. Correct. Uh, yeah, I think he's been. I think he's been really progressive. Um, and I think if you look at uh, the way that he has uh, treated the women's game and um, the Women in Golf Charter that, that that has been set up, the fact that I've just I've been involved in a, Twitter conversations about uh, the thing I hate is is um, is ladies that. golf I saw that yeah. and you know it's women's golf and um, and I, you know I, I just get rid of ladies from golf full stop and if you edit that nastily then <laughs> that could end my career by the way um, but but you know and and I remember having that conversation with Martin uh, probably three years ago four years ago when they launched the women in golf thing, and he said we, you know, because they they subsumed the ladies golf union anyway, they got rid of it. But it's the Women's British Open, you know, and it's, it sounds like a, a really silly little thing. But it is that kind of terminology that holds the the sport back. And it and it just makes it sound twee and it makes it unattractive, in my opinion, anyway, to 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 young women where I've completely gone off. No, off, off, no, no, but, well, there. But it illustrates the fact that he is a very progressive thinker. He comes from a very grey corporate background. He's a very good golfer. He he ticks all those kind of RNA boxes. But I think, and and I'll, I'll say this as well, Lawrence. And you had you had many a run in with him. Um, well, you in fact got your own rule uh, made. That's so right. No, that with, that
1: was that was with Peter Dawson.
2: With Peter Dawson, exactly. And and what I was going to say about Peter, I think Peter Dawson was also very, very progressive as well. What? And he was at the heart I, I do. I, you know, he was at the heart of of getting golf into the into the Olympics. He took on your your rule, which means that a woman could actually play in the Open Championship <laughs> if they were to jump through enough in, enough hoops. And and actually in under his reign, you got into the environment where, whereby the RNA actually has women as, as members. It is a you know it's a it's a historic organization that you know these people like Dawson and now Martin Slumbers have to carry you know that weight of tradition behind them and still make progress. So it's not, you know, I I I I actually think that that both that Dawson was pretty progressive and I think that that um, that Slumbers has carried on the the mantle. Uh, well, is terribly establishment. Well, I was
1: well, I was just going to say, Mark, if you've heard that's an, oh, it sounds like an application for the RNA. Am I wrong?
2: Yeah, <laughs> no.
0: no, no. <laughs> I, uh, I I you know, are you an intern over there, Ian? <laughs> <laughs> what, what's taking place right now? Are you on, are on their intern program? <laughs> i was just asked the question.
1: The, uh, I see, Mark, how, how have you got, how did you go with these RNA boys? Or how, you know, do you ever have any dealings with, with, with Peter Dawson? <laughs> I,
0: I do. I, I remember having some dealings with him, but nothing, you know, I mean, listen, I was not as antagonistic as you were Lawrence, because oh. I wasn't close to it. Uh, but of course you're antagonistic with everybody, including your own podcast partners, <laughs> Uh, But, uh,
2: and the guests, uh,
0: well, well, the guests mostly the guests, Ian. Yes, that's why we that's why it's hard for us to book anybody. You, I mean, you know, you're just a nice guy.
1: The uh, actually, seriously, I I, I thought if you go back, Ian, if you remember, I mean, Dawson, he every year I remember him sneering at my questions about uh, Mm -hmm. you know, what playing the, the open championships at uh, these uh, men-only golf clubs by all yeah. means have your men-only golf club whatever you want but you can't have the flagship event of the game held at Muirfield uh, and, and he defended that to the bitter end and he would never back down And he, not only that, he used to sneer at, at the questions uh, so it was that kind of stuff uh, the equipment debate never really moved on he was part of that yeah. establishment Then that didn't allow it to move on they did nothing uh, Slumbers comes in Women members at the R N A, of uh, the actual club, uh, held Muirfield's uh, feet to the fire. Guess what? Muirfield uh, backed down. They've got women members now, although they're allowed women members. I don't know if they have any. Um, and and now we have slumbers moving moving along
2: with this uh, equipment thing. I I think he has been. Did did not women members at the R N A come in under Dawson's reign?
1: Uh, I don't think so. No, I'm mm. ab- Well, maybe. Mm. Well, I don't think so. Anyway, Dawson and I, I mean, who cares, but we hated each other. He hated me. <laughs> I remember, and it was so funny, uh, we were at, uh, it was a couple of summers ago, and it was me, Niall, and Huggin were walking through St Andrews, and I was just, we were just laughing about uh, how Dawson hated me and how him and Huggy used to go on great. And we walk up to the past the, the clubhouse and we're standing at the first tee and guess who's on the tee? <laughs> it's Peter Dawson.
2: <laughs> and he says
1: to me, you know, when he's jutting out chin, ah, Mr. Donegan, as I live and breathe. <laughs>
0: Gosh. You know, Lawrence, you you are to Dawson what Christine, the great Christine Brennan, uh, was to Woody Johnson you know. at at Augusta National. I would say.
1: Oh, they were the days. Anyway, um, hat tip to Martin. Slumber. that was my main main point. Ian, um, uh,
2: so here, anyway. very entertainingly made. Uh, the uh, the when's this going to happen? By the way, was when uh, women members came in. When the, when was that? In say 2015. that twenty fifteen.
1: 2015 or so. That was long after Peter Dawson. No, it wasn't. All right. Look, we'll see, there you go. When when did Dawson leave?
2: Uh, so the RNA named Martin Slumbers as the new chief executive in October 2014, uh-huh. and then there was a six month transition period. So I think it's fair to say that the just in the just in the interest of of, um, of accuracy that all the manoeuvrings and machinations that enabled women to become members at the RNA happened under the reign of Peter Dawson.
1: Um... And
2: Peter Dawson also sponsored you for, for, uh... no, I'm just, just, I, I, I I accept an awful lot. And I think, I think that Peter Dawson gave, gave the impression of being the, you know, the, the crusty old guy. And you're absolutely right about him, you know, standing firm on Muirfield and that sort of thing, which, which, you know, I, I, I could not agree with at all, but, Beside, behind behind that facade, I think he did a lot of very progressive things, like drug testing in golf coming in widespread. Oh, don't get me started the fa- on that. The, the, the fact that the fact that golf became an Olympic sport, which I think is is massive for golf, and as I say, the the, the RNA thing. So I just I'm just cutting him some slack. That's right. all. Okay. Just in the interest of balance and entertainment.
1: Fair enough. Uh, here, uh, <laughs> what what? Uh, so there'll be the four inch the. I guess the National is going to take advantage of this uh, driver thing, aren't they, for this year's uh, Masters? They, that, that's well, going to
2: happen. Unless someone comes up with an argument between now and yeah. March the 4th, it's in. Yeah. And so. then
1: uh, what do you think? The, I think the consultation period ends. I can't remember. Is it the end of the year?
2: November uh, the 2nd. Right.
1: So w- w- what's happening next year? What do you think? Do you think we'll be playing under new rules or it won't be next year because the consultation period will be over and then there'll be another year or so or a couple of years to.
2: Yeah, it's going to be slow progress, yeah. I think. Um, but you know, the, I think that the meetings that are going to going to be happening between now and November are are going to be very intense, and it's a it's a vital period.
1: Uh, anyway, we'll see. A bit, it's a big day. it's a pretty big day for a golf, Mark, isn't it? This all this stuff. I mean, did we mention that? Well, I mean, that, this is the the bullet, The bullet has been bitten, and that's it. We're off. We're off and running.
0: Well, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how quickly these I mean, these things do take some time, as as Ian said, and um, and, and and as you mentioned, Lawrence, I, you know, the driver length issue is not that big of a deal right now because nobody's really gone to the forty eight. You know, Phil said he was going to experiment with it. Bryson did bring it to Augusta, never used it, so that's not that huge of a deal. I think once we if we get start getting into the ball, you know, which which I, I, I you know that, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting dynamic. once yeah. we start down on the ball back, I think that's the, which is funny because it, that's something that Jack Nicholas has been railing on, as you know, for uh, 10, 15 years. It seems, it seemed to me that every one of those sit downs, the uh, state of the art state, state of the game sit downs we would have with Jack at, at, at Augusta, you know, that, uh, that Wednesday late afternoon yeah. uh, in the media center, uh, you know, he would get rolling on the ball, no, no pun intended. And just, you know, rant about it and and how you know it needed to be dialed back and etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know that's all now coming closer to fruition but I, I don't suspect it's going to happen too that quickly
1: uh well at least he was talking about the ball he wasn't talking about politics so we should be grateful for that small mercy here we'll move we'll move on quickly uh, uh we've got a lot of stuff and we've only got 20 minutes left uh, Ian, uh you uh what's it called this tournament in saudi arabia what's the actual title it, it
2: is the Saudi Saudi International, powered by SoftBank Investments Advisors. <laughs> now, I just make the point that I usually get somewhere between twenty and thirty seconds for my sort of voice piece updates that I do for the BBC Radio. So, if I if I put the name of the tournament in, <laughs> I've not got much much time left, have I? So, what do you shorten it to? What do you do? You call
1: it so? Do you, uh, It'd be the Saudi International? I would
0: shorten it to the appearance fee. Open? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> do
1: that. <laughs> Here, uh, that might be pretty accurate. What do you, uh, what do you think? An appearance fees? What do you think the numbers are, Ian? I mean, the field is just. Go, what's the field that you were talking about earlier? What's the field? It's phenomenal, isn't it? But
2: yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, you've got you know the the elite of the of the European tour. You know, the kind of main main rump of the of the players. But then you, you look at the the sort of uh, marquee TV groups. So you've got Mickelson playing with Fleetwood and Wiesberger, Garcia playing with Finau and Lowry, DeChambeau playing with Matt Wallace and Justin Rose, Dustin Johnson playing with Westwood and Hatton, Kevin Narr is there, uh, Martin Keimer, uh, Ian Poulter, Danny Willett, Victor Hovland. I mean, what's Hovland doing? He played in, in Abu Dhabi. He then went to the west coast of of America, played Torrey Pines. Now he's gone back to the Middle East. I mean, that's that's some air miles. Uh, Casey is there um, uh, somewhat contentiously, having said two years ago that his conscience wouldn't let him play in Saudi Arabia. He had a, a pretty um, uncomfortable press conference today, I think it, it must be said. Bob McIntyre, who's going great guns for, for Scottish golf at the moment. Graham McDowell's the defending champion. Ernie Ells is there. Jason Kokrak. I mean, it's, um, well, you know, it's there's just some, a lot of Americans over there. I think Mark's absolutely right. You know, it is the the appearance fee open, the appearance fee invitational.
0: I mean, you're forgetting the Masters champion is there, and Dust and 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 Bryson DeChambeau is there, and Patrick Reed, who's uh, yeah. news again is there. I mean, it's it's you know, I I can't imagine them. I I would love to be a fly on the wall at the accountant's office to see what those checks that are being cut.
1: Uh, a couple of things, uh, Mark. I thought Ian was going to read out every single player in the field. there. <laughs>
0: Well, when he got down to McIntyre, I was starting to I was scuffling a little bit. I'm not going to
1: lie to you. <laughs> World number 44, I'll have you know. Uh, actually, uh, Ian, uh, what, McIntyre, what do you think? Is he the absolute real deal, do you think? Because I watched it on Saturday night here in the West Coast. God, his short button was brutal.
2: Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I mean, that 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 to me was 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 quite worrying. I, I was listening to him today and and he was sort of reflecting on that he missed um a, i mean he does he does look really really good um the quality of his ball striking there is there is i think there's the Aussies would call it a bit of ticker about him i think there is something that suggests he is going to be very very good um whether he's going to be great that's another question yeah but um when you got to, to you know he was in contention there he could have sewn up his whole year um, I mean, as you say, he's gone to 44 in the world. of victory would have taken him even higher. He'd definitely be in the Masters and so on and so forth. And then he missed a very short putt. The one thing, I, you know, I, I would admit the greens were, were tough, yeah. but he missed a very short putt on, on the eighth. It lipped out. And then he three-putted 10 from three feet when he had that three-footer to move to within a shot of, of Casey. And then it really would have been... Um, but potentially a very, very interesting closing eight holes, and and after that he was he was done really. Um, and you know, people will say, you know, we're we're always very kind, aren't we? We'll, we'll say to these players, um, oh, that, you know, that's a, that's a big learning uh, experience. But it's also potential scar tissue, oh. and it, how he copes with it, how he bounces back, uh, is going to be very interesting. But you know, third place, another decent finish.
1: Did you see it? It'd be in the middle of the night for you, Mark, wasn't it? So you probably didn't see much of it.
2: I didn't really get a chance oh. to watch, and
0: I'm 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 uh, knee deep in Super Bowl uh, yeah. football stuff right now, so it's been my it's taken a little bit my my golf attention away I, the last few
1: days. I cover. I swear to God, I mean the three putt and ten, oh, my God, that was mm. just brutal. and you
2: never looked like holding any of them. did Oh Jesus! You're, you're worrying about the third putt as well. But yeah, it's actually,
1: the third putt just snuck it. Well, it didn't just sneak in, but yeah. it. Side door. And, uh, Mark, uh, I mean, it was like you. I mean, no offence, mate, but it was... <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh Just on the... Uh, this was phenomenal. Uh, golf journalists, get, I mean, us three excluded, get a lot of abuse for lobbing up softballs. Uh, and I, I hate... There's nothing more boring in a podcast than somebody reading out a transcript. But p- you mentioned earlier there, Ian, that Casey had an awkward press conference uh yeah. Uh, hat tip to Neil MacLennan, the uh, golf writer for the Daily Mirror. He gets uh, he asks Casey why why two years ago he said he wouldn't play for whatever human rights reasons or whatever, and he's here uh, this year. I, I guess we can all, uh, is it, I don't think we're tempting fate or any libel lawyers, if we say, uh, probably something to do with uh, appearance money, uh, I'm guessing, for not just uh, Paul Casey, but for for all of them um so K- casey uh so i'm trying to find the question here so casey gets asked uh you know why did you uh, why are you come when you condemn saudi arabia and casey uh, the answer's too long but it's well prepared he's a unicef uh Madison, what's what's your summary of Casey's first? You were you were listening in. You were there. Yeah, he's
2: a, he's a UNICEF ambassador, and he, he he was making the point that that was a a, a children's uh, charity, and he was he was making the point that actually he should go to these these different places and and see what they're like. And he wasn't aware of any sort of specific things about the Saudi Arabian regime that were were anti children any more than any other um, regime in in the world. And he was talking last week as well about, you know, uh, that there was a certain hypocrisy in him singling out Saudi Arabia because as a golfer, you go to all sorts of different regimes, which have different issues as far as human rights are concerned. So um, that, that was kind of the main drift of, of how he was explaining himself. He'd obviously thought about it. He obviously had a, a point of view that he wanted to put over to be able to explain. And he was aware that, you know, that people would would legitimately ask him why the change of heart, given that he was pretty vociferous two years ago about um, making a virtue of, of of not playing in Saudi Arabia.
1: So then the follow-up question uh, is, quote, uh, uh, you said in your statement, I hope my participation will make a difference. Amni International called golfers this week to speak up about human rights issues in Saudi Arabia. And since that statement in October... Lujan, I hope I, I will probably mispronounce this, but uh, Lujan al hathloul has been jailed for five years for her a- activism. She was a, a well-known human, uh, rights activist, human rights activist, feminist, human rights activist. So, would you like? Uh, uh, so, would you like, as part of uh, trying, if you trying to make a difference, would you like to condemn this? <laughs> Paul Casey says, uh, "Who who jailed her? Uh, Saudi?" <laughs> quite uh, Neil's response: Saudi Arabia have. Uh, Paul Casey, OK, Neil, this is the first I've read that. Clearly, I'm not well enough read on that particular topic. Clearly, with what I've just said to you in a previous uh, question, there's no question that that's not aligned with my beliefs, does it? Look, I don't want to go. Uh, I don't want to answer this week. I don't want this week to be about the situation. You know what I've just said and my statements to you. I think it's very clear you know my views. Uh, so basically, how on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, Ian, how awkward was this how <laughs> I think it's funny reading
2: it. Fifteen. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was really it was a really awkward moment, and you know, as as you've alluded to, uh, most golf press conferences are in 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 the journalistic world uh, on the scale they're they're at the they're at the comfortable end, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, certainly since you've you've come off the beat because you always like liven them up, Lawrence. But um, no, th- this and you know, fair play to Neil. Uh, he'd done his homework. And and he he came in with very pertinent questions there, which, you know, Paul Casey, bear in mind that he, he'd just come into the press conference, having won in Dubai last week with a massive smile on his face, you know, quite <laughs> rightly, you know, in, in celebratory mood after a great win in the Dubai Desert Classic. And and then, you know, and he, he knew he knew the topic was was coming, but I don't think he was quite expecting such a forensic level of questioning. And. Yeah. Uh, I think he was very grateful to move on to the next question after he, you know, that you, you read that, you read out his answer there. And it was in real time, there were obviously a lot of pauses and ums and errs as he desperately tried to to come up with some kind of answer because it was a very, very pertinent question.
1: I uh, Absolutely. Here, it's, it begs the question, Mark, most awkward press conference you've ever been in. Uh, can I, I'll just quickly nominate mine. It was the 2010 US Open at Pebble Beach. Tiger had just come back from the scandal, and Mark Reason, then of the Daily Telegraph, stood up and said, uh, asked him about uh, getting divorced or his, his relationship with his wife <laughs> and how that would affect his uh, golf that week. I swear to God, you could have heard a pin drop from New York. That was brilliant. What, what, what about you, Mark?
0: I think mine, in a weird way, was in a little bit of defense of Tiger after the scandal, and and it was the Billy Payne press conference uh, oh, that ah, yeah. when Tiger came back to that Masters, and Billy Payne basically just scolded Tiger publicly. I mean, you know, I mean, again, we can all have our opinions, and obviously, nobody condones what Tiger did in terms of you know uh, the infidelity and 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 the, and smashing his family up, but. Who is Billy Payne to talk about? You know, we need our heroes to act to behave better. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I'd love to know what uh, you know. I mean, I'd love to know some of Billy Payne's you know dark secrets in the closet because everybody has some, I'm sure, right?
1: Well, Billy Billy Payne uh, was the CEO of the most corrupt Olympic Games in history, the 1996 Atlanta Games. Yeah, yeah.
0: interrupted. So I that that to me it was just I, I. Maybe it was less awkward and
2: more appalling. Maybe was a better
0: way to put it for me.
2: Yeah. it was one of those. Was it? Wasn't it? Mark, Where you just you you start looking looking side to side to other people in the room, saying, <laughs> is, "Is is he really saying this? Is this?" You, you know, it, you it, it it that was for me the most awkward one. I think.
1: Really? Do you not remember the reason? Question. To- oh no,
2: I do. Yes, oh, yeah, I, I remember, remember I, that. That's good. Of course. There were so fair. many of yours, Lawrence, <laughs> back in the day. I mean, you, you would, you'd fire a first in there, wouldn't you? Oh, what a laugh. Anyway. Um, which well, is the Lawrence, one that you're most proud of?
0: I'm sorry to sorry. interrupt, but another great one was the Hootie. Was I brought up Hootie before, the former chairman of the Masters for the, at, at, at Augusta, the the famous exchange uh, with with Christine Brennan. <laughs> uh, and I That's believe believe he said, don't you lecture me in his southern drawl when he was working him over about about that was of course that was the Martha Burke you know no women yeah. members at yeah. uh, at Augusta period of time don't you lecture me i never forget him saying that i had a hard time keeping a straight face cuz i'm a i'm a front Front, uh, I like to sit in the front row of these press <laughs> I don't know why, but th- that was a tough one to be in the front row of. It was hard for me to keep, keep a straight face.
1: The one I liked was uh, when. <laughs> remember there was that player survey in Golf Magazine and Bubba, everybody hated Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, Hi, Bubba. Lauren's so, uh, uh, stunning Why does everybody hate you, Bubba? <laughs> 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 anyway. <laughs> Yeah, uh, God, there were the days uh, <laughs> here. So uh, that's a good event. I'll be—I mean, leaving aside uh, the horrific abuse of uh, of women and tr- treatment of women in Saudi Arabia, and uh, uh, you know, horror. Well, they still you know chopping up Washington Post uh, journalists. I mean, it's it's going to be a pretty good tournament. You have to say. I mean, yeah. I mean, how much?
2: That's the strongest field of the
1: year, isn't it? What's the uh, international? You'll know the scene. What's the appearance money? What's Dustin? Jo- I mean, you won't know, but you know. I mean, I'm sure you can make an educated guess. Dustin Johnson in Saudi Arabia. How much?
2: Well, I, 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 I don't know. I genuinely don't yeah. know. Um, and I'm, I'm always loath. I'm always okay. loath to, to, to even speculate publicly. Um, yeah. But you know, if you pushed me, it's got to be seven figures, hasn't it? Yeah.
1: You would think so, yeah.
2: It's got to be. I mean, well, I I, yeah. got
0: to start at seven figures, and as you go down yeah. the line, you know, I mean, maybe a guy. I mean, they're not all making seven figures, but, but you know, I mean, the, Dustin the, Johnson, you know, uh, DeChambeau, Mickelson, you know, yeah.
2: and, they're, they're all going to be seven figures, off. aren't they? And yeah, and, but what's what's someone like Tony Finau going to get? What's Patrick Reed getting? You know, An that
0: extra five hundred, three hundred thousand. I don't know. I mean, that's a very it's, it's a good question.
1: Um, yeah, and it goes to. I remember having a discussion with somebody about uh, this is uh, back in the day Abu Dhabi. I mean, the Abu Dhabi purse every year. If you look at it, the, the actual purse itself isn't that much. It's because mm. all the money has been splurged on on the appearance money. Uh, when Tiger got it was it was you know two and a half million for Tiger in, mm. in uh, Abu Dhabi, and I think somebody told me the low end. I won't name the players, but you know Ryder Cup players. Uh, it was seventy-five grand to just to show up to to uh, Abu Dhabi. So I'm guessing, you know, a bit of inflation. Saudi's uh, reputation is even you know more awful than Abu Dhabi's. So I'm guessing that's a that doubles the number. Uh, so I reckon at the low end you're looking at hundred and fifty grand if you're a Tony for now, maybe two fifty plus. Be a, there's no way Victor Hovland was in uh, was on commercial. And Tony, for now, we're on commercial from Tory Pines to Saudi Arabia. Not a chance. Yeah. So that would yeah. be that. Be private jets would be would be uh, lined up for those guys. It's yeah. um, not a bad. I mean, uh, it's a,
2: go on. it's an important week. It's an important tournament for for Saudi Arabia and and the the country's project. This is them trying to trying to showcase. We, you know, we we hear this phrase, sport washing, and and all of that. This is this is. This is part of it. This is this is part of of Saudi Arabia presenting themselves to to the world, and and what they're doing is they're they're tapping into the the biggest names in in golf. You know, I mean, outside Tiger, who's injured anyway, um, and Rory, you know, everyone else that you would want to spend money on on bringing to your golf tournament is is there, aren't yeah. they?
0: What does bother me a little bit, and I mean, I, part of me it turns my stomach, part of me it makes me laugh is when you hear these guys and I remember when the Saudi tournament first first started really gaining some some traction. Uh uh I remember being out of Tory Pines a few year couple of few years ago and listening to, you know, guys like Patrick Reed and Justin Rose talking about how the fact that, you know, they're just trying to grow the game. Mm-hmm. Like I mean that's just come on. I mean, don't insult me for God's sake.
1: Um I, it's up against the waste management. You, are you, you're Oh, no, you're not. It's because Super Bowl's on. Uh, have you done that waste management tournament, Mark?
0: I have. I've done it a couple times. Uh, actually, the couple of times I've been in there uh, has been when the Super Bowl has been out in Arizona. That oh, right, you know yeah. that same week. But I've also the last time I was there actually was when Tiger had those chip yips, which was I like oh. like sixteen or fifty, whatever it was. That was that was staggering watching that shooting eight. You know he was. We would have shot lower scores than he he shot that week.
1: Yeah, well, speak for yourself. I've actually played uh, that golf course. I didn't sniff eighty. Let me let <laughs> me tell you, here. Um, the uh, one more thing before we kind of wrap this up, uh, Mark, you're good for this uh, because, well, a you're good normally in any circumstance, but you know uh, Patrick Reed better than, well, certainly better than me and certainly better than, than Ian. Well. Uh, w- w- I found myself on an Irish radio show yesterday describing Patrick Reed as a sociopath. And I, I finished the, the call and I just thought, oh my God, what are you, you don't even know this guy. Um, What's he actually like? I mean, this stuff last week, it was just... He went on to win a tournament and amid all this furore and chaos. And he goes out on Sunday and just wins it by five. I'm
0: sorry to interrupt. The one thing... I'm going to, I'm going to start at the end there Him winning it is what's quite amazing about Patrick is, uh, in terms of just his, the way he handles controversy and whatnot in, uh, in, in the, in the, in the, in the arena of the sport is he, he either has absolutely no conscience whatsoever, which is very possible. Uh, or he just is, you know, is, has that gift to, 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 to block it all out. You know, because obviously, you know, he's he's a guy that's loves to be hated in the Ryder Cup arena, uh, and and has performed at his best when he's been booed and 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 is egging people on. But in terms of his, I've I've had a couple of one on one interviews with Patrick, and I think you know he's an odd guy. He's a little so- socially awkward. I think there are so many layers and dynamics going on, um, you know, between his you know his wife. Um, you know who seems to be on the on the on the, on the behind the scenes very controlling. Uh, obviously, his family. We you know we that became a big story when he won the Masters. You know the Masters another example. His family's you know three miles away and 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 blocked from coming into Augusta. It, uh, basically, a restraining order for them not to come anywhere near him. Uh, and he goes and wins the Masters anyway. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation that you know that his wife has been a part of you know, um, feeding into that, uh, separating him from his family. So there's just so many elements there. And I know, you know, what we're talking about here with Patrick most recently is that, is that, you know, very questionable rule situation, which at the end of the day, he actually didn't really violate a rule as it's written. But the problem is Patrick Reed, he, he is. Uh, he has to be in a no-tolerance situation with rules after what happened in, 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 in the Bahamas a couple of years ago, when he clearly swept that sand away, and, uh, and was caught red-handed doing it. and Probably should have been, you know, deleted from the golf tournament, ejected uh, and, and DQ'd, but was just given a two-shot penalty. So he's 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 made that bed of reputation for himself. So when that. Situation arose uh, on the Saturday in his third round at, at Torrey Pines when his ball came to rest in what he said was a plugged lie, which we all saw on television. How a ball could bounce two feet in the air and then plug on its second bounce is, unless it's an absolute quagmire of mud, is, is is, I don't see how that happens. But how he didn't wait to bring a a rules official over, even though the rules say you don't have to do that. As a guy that has that reputation, I would go out of my way to make sure I had a rules officer come and take a look at it before I touch that ball. Instead, he takes the ball out, he's he's cupping it, he's cleaned the ball off. <laughs> I mean, you know, he did everything but but take a towel out and, and, and give it a shower, for God's sake. Get, get. And so, I mean, my point is, as it turns out, the same thing happened to Rory on the same day, but we give Rory the benefit of the doubt because he hasn't had rules snafus in the past. Patrick has... And yet he just he just he's like Mr. I don't know this is not going to resonate probably for you these guys but you guys but Patrick's like Mr. Magoo you know it was an old cartoon way back in the day when I was a kid who just kind of merrily walked down the the street you know oblivious to the world and safes were falling out of city city skyscraper buildings and smashing around him on the sidewalk and he never even noticed that's like Patrick he just he just carries on and doesn't seem to give a crap about. The stuff that he's created and uh, and the controversies that he's created, and he just seems a little bit tone deaf to it all.
1: Well, get, can just we'll we'll kick around to the whys and wherefores of what happened on Saturday in a minute. But, but so, Mark, you've been in this situation. Is he soft spoken? Is he bright? Or is he just thick? I mean, I I just wonder what this guy's like. I mean, it, I
0: yeah, you know, I've I've had good conversations with him. I did a couple one on one pieces with him, uh, and I think he. He feels like he's misunderstood uh, but so I think- is he is he an,
1: is he an angry guy then
0: I don't think he's angry i, I don't i don't don't get that i i think he he feels like he's misunderstood but i don't I don't get a vibe that he's angry about it um but I think he he looks at himself maybe he's a little bit resentful uh a little bit like Brooks to some degree, that is not one of the golden child guys yeah. like Jordan Spieth and and uh, and Justin Thomas and Ricky and the boys. You know, he's not part of that clique. And I think, and you know, we and we we've, we've heard, you know, Brooks kept talk about that a little bit, as great as Brooks is as, as a player. And I think I think he's he's a little resentful of that. Uh, Patrick is, but Patrick's very much a loner. It's him and his wife and 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 Kessler, his wife's uh, brother, who's his caddy. I mean, they they kind of a they run in a in a in a in a in a group of three, and that's about it. There's not a lot of, you know, he's he does not a lot not a lot a lot of entourage and supporters hanging around him. It's it's just he it's complicated. I I don't have all the answers, but I've had very good conversations with him, and he has told me that he's felt like he's been misunderstood. Uh, and uh, uh, but he also on the in the next. Sentence says, I don't care. And I want to be the villain. I like being the, you know, Captain America and the Ryder Cup villain. So, you know, it's a very, I'm not sure maybe if he even knows what he wants.
2: It's really interesting, Lawrence. I mean, I've interviewed him uh, on on a couple of occasions as well, because he comes over to play on the European tour. And you could not ask for a better ambassador for the European tour coming from America. He, he is brilliant. I mean, Wentworth, He the way that he spoke and the support that he gave to the tour and, and everything, it proved that he knows what the right thing is to say. Whether he believes it or not, he knows how to say it and he says it really, really well. So there is that sense of awareness about him. But I agree with absolutely everything that Mark's just said. You know, he, he, he is he's a great interviewer. He's really engaging. But the way that he can land himself in controversy and then just put the blinkers on and not have it affect him in the slightest if anything make him play even better you know it's it's just an extraordinary yeah
0: uh, I mean, if you Ian if you look it if if that kind of peppering that he got after uh, you know and and well after the controversy of Tory Pines you know. I mean, it was clear to everybody around the game that if he was going to go on and win that golf tournament on Sunday, it was going to be very awkward. I mean, I mean, yeah. the, the betting the betting companies here gave their gave people their money back. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, right here in the states. So, but I mean, any nine out of every ten players that is going to have that hanging over him or her and in playing a final round. Is going to falter. I mean, that's going to be a that's going to be a distraction. It's going to be hard to overcome. And he goes out and blows away the field the next day, right? Um,
1: the uh, I guess we shouldn't. I mean, the whole thing's been you know kicked over back and forth on the uh, you know the why's and wherefores and you know what should he been doing. clear. Actually, the CBS mark were really good on Sunday. They started their broadcast with you know Nobolo... below. Um Faldo and even Ian Baker Finch all stuck the boot in on the you know his actual behavior, palm in the ball and it's just crazy.
0: Uh and even Jim Nance, who is like yeah. the fluffy the fluff, and I love Jim. I'm friends with Jim, but Jim does not step a. Af- he doesn't put a toe in controversy. And even on Saturday when this was taking place, he was raising significant questions because I did have the broadcast on and, and, and you're right. I, they, I thought CBS did, you know, so often these networks shy away from these things because oh. they, they, they want it all to be about the golf and the, you know, the trophy presentation and all the all the fluffy stuff. But I thought they did an excellent job. You're, that's a very good point there. And, and I and I thought Nance really, to me, was a guy who was he, I, he would have been the first person. He was the one that was raising the question, I thought, to 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 to, to Faldo and the rest of the crew, and and, and I thought it was a very, very well done job. On you. It was a good point.
1: And my, uh, the next question I wanted to bring up, there's a lot of this going on on, on on the PG and all the tours. You know, there was three years ago, Lucas Herbert dug a trench behind his ball in Dubai, on camera, and, you know, here we are, a couple of years later, he was on the European Tour social media last week, played the One Club Challenge with Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, this guy should have been ostracised for what he did in Dubai. I don't know if you remember that, Ian. But my, my point being is, back it again, I sound like an old guy, but, you know, there was a time where there was a cadre of senior pros, Thomas Bjorn, Darren Clark, Lee Westwood, who kind of unofficially policed this world. Remember when Monty, uh, the whole Jakarta thing in 2005... I mean, Thomas Bjorn and Clark were—they uh, the players' committee—they dragged them up, Monty up in front of the players' committee, uh, hauled them over the coals, and then issued a statement. Uh, mm. And now it all seems a bit too, you know, cosy. You know, Xander Sh- Shoffley said in response to the Reid thing on Sunday. You know, it was a mild mannered. Well, it doesn't look very good. And this was a sensation that Xander Shoffley had stuck his, you know, head above the parapet. But you know, I wonder because there's more and more of this kind of stuff going on in professional golf, and I wonder is if it's because it's all too cosy and there's not a kind of a, a group of players who kind of unofficially police it.
2: Is that a is that too? Possibly, long? but I mean, you know, you had McElroy at the US PGA making great play yeah, of, no. uh, of of making sure that when he could have given himself quite legally a better lie on a free drop, I think someone had trodden on his ball, hadn't they? Yeah. Um and and he recreated a worse lie and made you know and made sure people knew about it in the same way as as Darren Clark did the same thing at the Irish Open you know in the in the wake after the 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 Monty incident and that was Clark saying this is how you should behave um, and 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 doing that i i still like to think that there is that core of integrity running through oh. running through the sport um, and that's why you know what disappointed me about about Reed was you know, this is we're, we're. You know, he's he's been absolutely vilified, um, but everything that he did was in accordance with the rules. He didn't break a single rule in in the course of it all. But because he's got previous, because uh, of the way that he he did it and didn't um, go go through the protocols as thoroughly as he might have done, it it, it just it just spoke to the fact that for Patrick Reed. If if he's done it to within the rules and the rules officials have said he's done it to the rules, it's end of story. He's not prepared to go that extra step, which is in the core of the sport, of, of doing doing something to satisfy your own conscience as well, which is what McElroy did at the PGA, which is why no one questioned McElroy when he took exactly the same course of action as, as Patrick Reed and actually did even less yeah. because he didn't yeah. even call a rules official over. So, you, you know, that that to me is, is 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 what I take away from all of this, that Reed is, you know, Reed showed no regret whatsoever when it was pointed out to him that his ball had actually bounced. The, uh, he didn't say, oh, you, you know, didn't say, oh, well, if I'd known that, then there's no way I'd have taken the drop Or don't. There was none of that. I, I followed the rules. He
0: uh, was even he was mean. even quoted as saying, well, if it did bounce, then it would be almost impossible for it to plug. Yeah. Well, that's well that's. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you looked at it, I mean, that grass was pretty thick. I just have a hard time believing and I wasn't there. But uh, I mean, I I, I mean, for a ball to bounce two feet in the air or whatever it was and come to rest to be plugged, it would have to be a quagmire, in my opinion. I don't know. But no
2: one's no one. That's that's exactly what happened with Rory as well. Yeah. No one's no one's questioning Rory at all. Um, Quite rightly. Given that's, his reputation. That's
0: in the because Reid has made his bed with that, with his reputation, and he doesn't seem to care about it.
1: Mm. You know what? I should, the thing I take away from it is that these players have to. You, you if you as a player, you're meant to protect a the field. These players have to take a bit more responsibility. You know, Rory's with uh, Sabatini. You know, and he shouts over to Sabatini, "Oh, it's plugged," and Sabatini waves back. You know, where what on you go, whatever. He, Sabatini should be over there. Protecting the field. It's the cool. same with Reed. He's playing with, I think it was Will Gordon as a kid. Okay, he's a kid, you know. But he should be t- protecting the field.
0: But no, Will Gordon is not going to call out Patrick Reed, Lawrence, and that's part of the problem. If you, you, you well, look, we, we talked on the phone the other day uh, before the podcast about the Tiger incident. Uh, he was playing with Casey Wittenberg at the Players a few years back. Oh, and, and you know, in a final yeah. round in the cauldron of of of, uh, of contention, and you know. He wouldn't call. He, he he basically just kowtowed to whatever Tiger said, and it was clearly the, the 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 television broadcast showed where the ball that ended up going in the water
1: crossed the hazard line. Yeah, it was ended about, about two hundred yards away from where Tiger took the drop.
0: Exactly. But Casey Wittenberg, who's a young player, who's intimidated by being in that situation, you know, which maybe this kid Gordon was as well. You know, I mean, again, I don't. Maybe, That's a little bit of the problem. You know, going back to, you know, Ian, maybe, you know, or Lawrence, maybe Sabatini waves off Rory like, okay, no problem, to some degree, because Rory doesn't have a reputation. Maybe if that was Patrick Reed, then Sabatini marches over there and takes a good look at that lie. But maybe in the case of Rory, you know, Rory's never been under question before, you know, so maybe he's like, yeah, I got you, that's cool, but. You know, maybe if it's Patrick Reed, you know, or Monty back in his day, you know, then, then Rory Sabatini walks over and takes a good hard look
1: at that lie, right? Oh, I think back in the day, I think if Monty had been playing with Darren Clark and he was asking for a job, Darren Clark would have been right over there <laughs> with the, a <laughs> the forensic kit uh, out. <laughs> um, anyway, it's uh, I guess what, what do you think the farmers insurance think, Ian? Do they think, oh, this is brilliant, or do they think, oh my god, for their for their? Ten million dollar prize fund. They're thinking: are they, are they loving it or are they hating it?
2: I think they're. I, I would think they they they'd like it. I mean, it's it's brought a, a, it's <laughs> it's it's put their name in, in yeah. lots of newspapers. Yeah. Um. And and lots of, of different outlets. Um. But I mean, you can tell that the the PGA Tour absolutely hate it, <laughs> and they they you know they will not have any of their players integrity called into question and so as a result they not only did they tweet the entire exchange for patrick reed in an effort to support him they also then followed up reed then tweeted to say well pat well rory mcelroy did exactly the same thing and then the PG, all in capitals donald trump style and then and then the, the pga tour then tweeted ex- everything that happened with mcelroy as well um you know that the that that to me was an extraordinary intervention there. Um, that actually just fueled the fire. Yeah. And I'll tell you
0: um, what too. If you're if you're Rory McElroy, you know, getting back to Patrick. Oh, yeah. If you're Rory McElroy, what are you thinking about Patrick Reed yanking him into this into the whole thing, into the mess, right? I mean, and, and this is a part of the reason why a lot of guys don't care for Patrick. You know, I mean what, what Patrick should make his own case. Don't drag Rory McElroy into it.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that was uh, again. That's another issue which you don't have. To, I think that was a social media mistake, though. I think that was meant to go on a. I think there's two Twitter accounts on the same phone, and that that stuff went to the wrong account. I think um, to the burner account. Uh, yeah. The uh, listen, we better wrap oh. this up. Sorry, we. Did, did All oh, right. Okay, uh, we'll wrap this. I, I did have a discussion of Rory McIlroy's uh, as my our son. Young now lives and dies at every shot Rory hits. So he misses a he misses a twenty five foot putt, and he'll now start shouting at the TV, calling him a choker. Uh, he can't close. He can't win a golf tournament. And I'm like, well, he's won twenty eight golf tournaments around. No, he's he's a so he finishes. Well, I think he was a few shots behind starting on Sunday. He finishes. It ends up shoot one over par. Finishes tied sixteenth. The week before, or was it the week before? I think it was the week before. Yeah, in it was, Abu, yeah. in Abu Dhabi. Start started the the final round. Leading hasn't won a got and finished you know tied third I think third or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Has not won a tournament since 2019. Are, are we are we calling time on Rory McIlroy's career,
2: Ian? No, I mean, I think any player that that hasn't played since the Masters in November, turns up in in yeah. competitively. Turns up in Abu Dhabi, shoots 64 in the first round, finishes third. Um. And and that 64 was was a, a 68 that was turned into a 64 with some outrageous putting, and finishes third. You just like I, th- I think, Portray Carrington summed it up best for me last week when he just went, oh, just to be able to play as badly as Rory McElroy <laughs> You know, come on, there's only ever one one winner every week. Hatton played played brilliantly to yeah. win that one, um, and McElroy you know, he's not played competitively since November. I'm, I seem to be making excuses for everybody I know. in this podcast. I know I and I'll, I'll, I'll find my nasty hat next time I come on. No, but no. I, I, just, I just thought that was one occasion. And listen, I've said many times when McElroy has screwed up and has failed to convert chances that it, a player of his quality you would expect to do. But I, I gave him a pass on that one. Here, I think, Lawrence,
1: on.
0: Lawrence, one thing about about Niall is Niall has – I don't know how how old Niall is now, but in 2014 was the last time Rory won. Rory won a, uh, yeah. a major championship, so I think Nile's probably wouldn't wouldn't even remember that major championship. I'm guessing. So he, but in, you know, on the on the opposite side of Ian, and and not to be a, because I am anything but a Rory detractor. Because I'm, you know, he's as good as there is in the game on on a lot of levels. But you know, we cannot ignore the things that have happened to him on Sundays, and it's this is not. This is not something new, and yes, you know he hadn't played since the Masters prior to you know to Abu Dhabi, but you know this has become a little bit a bit of a bugaboo in his in his career. It's a little it's a little mark, so to speak, on his career, which is a brilliant career so far, and will continue to get better, I'm sure. But um, I, I you know, you'd have your head in the sand if you were not questioning what's going on with him on some of these final rounds and when trying to close tournaments on Sundays when he's when he's right there.
1: Right, Mark, you've broken the cardinal rule on the Michaela Golf Podcast. You cannot criticize Rory McElroy. That's I love Rory McElroy. The uh here, Ian, just quick Terrell Hatton the best European golfer now.
2: He's certainly up there. Um Oh come on, he's up there, but is he better than R- Well, um is Hovland better? Oh, no. Um I listen, Hatton Hatton I think is he's right up there, but I want to see him do it in the majors. Okay. He missed the cut in three majors last year, so um, you know. And you can say, "Well, yeah, one, you know, you, you have a bad week, and that can happen." But there was three of them, um, so uh, that's what that's where I want to see him uh, improve. Um, but uh, he's a phenomenal talent, and what a what a I mean, he's, it's contrary to what I've just said, but I think he's got a, a brilliant mind for you know when he is in contention. He just doesn't buckle at all, um, and there is something very special about him.
1: There you go. Uh, we could do this all day. Here, we better wrap this up. Uh, Ian, uh, brilliant to have you on. Uh, come on again soon. That was fantastic. Thank you. Pleasure. Right, uh, Mark. All the best, mate.
0: Uh, thanks for coming on, Ian. It was great talking to you. And thank you, Lawrence, as always. Good. Uh, right, ha- hang, to
2: have hang on a sec. I'm just getting a text. Um, there's a Peter. Peter <laughs> Dawson. He, w- he wants to come on the next one. He's just come through. <laughs> Tell him he's in. Right, see you later boys. (laughs)
1: Just to touch you,
2: then I realize it's the why.